Let me go ahead and read our scripture because <clears throat> it's good for me and it's good for us to hear it, right? Okay, so I'm going to read. I'm going to start with um, verse 11. So 1 Peter 2, 11 through 25, and I'll kind of explain why as we go. But, okay, so beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor or supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. <sighs> Amen. Hey, Kelly. Would you mind to grab me or someone? It's just water. Just a little couple. I just feel like I can feel my throat drying up, and I probably won't be able to talk after a little bit. Um, okay, so for those of y'all who don't know me, my name is Christina Maxwell. I'm going to tell you some more about myself throughout this process. Um, I've been lecturing here now for, like, this is my fourth year, um, which is kind of crazy. And our lecturing evaluators have challenged me, and it's a good challenge, to not use a manuscript. So this is my first go at it. And I'm warning you, just so you know. So, like, you can vote afterward for me to go back to a manuscript. But it might be a little bit more all over the place, maybe, is all I'm getting at. Um, okay, so today we're looking at First Peter 2. I'm just going to get a copy of the outline just so I can remind myself what I told you all was going to happen here. Um, yes. Okay, so, so far in Peter, this is what I wanted the marker for. Um, well, it might help. Okay, so basically we can break... First Peter up into like three sections, and we've already covered the first two. I know, sorry. It's not, they're not, it's not going to be that. You can't read it at all. Well, okay, so the first section is about um, our status as Christians, okay? Christians. The second section was about our privileges as Christians, and that's what we've spent our time on so far. And now, so this kind of ends with 2.10. Today, we turn to what the rest of the book is going to be about, which is the lifestyle and character of Christians. Okay, so I'm going to kick us off. Ada gets a really difficult passage next week, <laughs> and we're going to keep going from there. First, we're going to focus on, like, individual lifestyles and... Um, character and then he's Peter's going to kind of say like and that's going to cause you to suffer and so we're going to end by talking about suffering 
down the road this spring. Um, anyway, so today we start, I label it right there, the Lifestyle Christians Part 1. Um, I just It's helpful for me to like big picture, I'm a big picture person, so I don't know if that's helpful to you, but it's helpful to me. Okay, so today I, the question before us today then in this passage is, what difference does it make in your life that you are a Christian? That's what Peter's asking us to ask. Um, <clears throat> what the difference does it make in your spheres of influence? Today we're going to look at society, our civic duty, citizens, um, our citizenship, and, and our work. Um, next week it's going to be marriage, and then he's going to turn to the church. And so it's like, what, in what ways are you different because of your status and your privilege in Christ? How is that causing you to look and be different? That's just what we're going to talk about today. Um, these are like really big, touchy topics, and I'm sorry. I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm sorry. If I say something that you don't agree with, great. Like I don't have any authority to be sitting up here. I promise I have done some research (laughs) and put some time and thought into this, but like, I'm not speaking, you know, argue with me. I love to argue. I'm going to talk about that a little bit as we engage, probably like to an unhealthy extent. But, um, so I, I'm trying to approach this with fear and trembling as I know Ada will next week too, as we turn to marriage and, and I'm a process. Y'all are in process. Let's be gentle with me. I'm going to try to be gentle with you. Okay, so this passage focuses on our lifestyle and character in regards to living as citizens of a secular society and workers in less than ideal, even harsh, unjust circumstances. Um, Which is important to point out because um, Peter is calling us to live beautiful lives in the world as it is, okay? Not like in some perfect world, not in the redeemed world to come, in this world as it is. And in, in a lot of ways, like, the, the world he was writing to was maybe even worse, right? Um, so he's, he's well aware of the sin in this world, and we're going to talk about that. And he's still calling us to live this way. Okay, so I think a good summary is live beautiful lives, beautiful and attractive lives that are good for our societies and for our world. And we're going to do that by being good citizens and being good workers through fighting and dwelling sin in our lives, submitting to earthly authority. Wait, hold on. Sorry. Skipped one. Um, we're first going to do that by remembering we are sojourners and aliens, fighting sin in our lives, submitting to authority as free women, and suffering unjustly. So we're going to kind of look at it that way. Okay, so... He is calling, remember he's writing to this like dispersed Gentile group of Christians. He's calling them and he's calling us to live these lives. I want to start here. Because Jesus did it first. That's where he ends this passage today. He kind of like has this beautiful little interlude in the middle of this consistent thing, which is, hey, here's how to live as Christian people. And he can't help himself but like break out into like the most beautiful (laughs) recitation of and like summary of Isaiah 53, I think. Is that it? Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Right? And so he says, Jesus did this on your behalf. He did this so that you could do this. So he both did it to make it possible for you to live lives like this. He lived a life like this. And he also did it as an example. Um, the Greek word there used is this word that means like literally to trace. It's like the same word that would be used for tracing something. Okay? So like he did this as a way that you could like 
run your fingers over it, take your pencil, and trace his life as a way to live, which is really cool. Um, he came to this world, not as his own, right? This wasn't his own world. He was an alien and a sojourner, even though he owned it and created it. Um, he submitted to the earthly authorities in his life, even though he was the king of kings. Um, one of the things I read was like, even as a child, Jesus, like omniscient God, submitted to his parents and like obeyed them. Isn't that kind of funny to think about? Like he was sustaining their life, every breath that they took, and also obeying them. Kind of crazy. Um, He was mocked. He was reviled. He was beaten. He was killed without ever returning evil for evil, Peter shows us. He did this for you, and he did this for me, um, so that we can be free from our enslavement to sin, free to live beautiful lives in this foreign land that is not our home, and to be good citizens and to be good workers. So that's what we're going to talk about, okay? Um, Sinclair Ferguson says it, sums it up beautifully when he says, when you are set free by Jesus, you can live in this world and bring to it a touch of the world that is to come. Jesus did that. He will do it. He will ultimately redeem this whole world when he comes back, right? And he calls us to do the same. So that's what we're going to think about. How can we do that? How can we live exemplary lives to others that make a lasting and saving impact on the world? Okay. Um, So, we're going to think about how to be good in our spheres of influence. Okay, so there's so many ways to take this, right? We're going to get into it. But I really wanted to think about, like, okay, so what is one way that I think both in, like, the civic world and in our work we can uh, I like the word heal, right? Because I love this because at the end, Peter says, um, heal, you know, by his wounds you have been healed. Which also, I'm just going to say this because it needs, it needs to be said. This is the same Peter who looked at Jesus, who was somehow able to say, you are the Christ, when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And then he says, yeah, and because of that, I'm going to go die. I'm going to suffer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. And Peter responds with, no, 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 you're not. Like, that's blasphemous. You couldn't possibly say that you're going to die. And then Peter, I mean, Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. It's that, you know, like kind of terrifying moment where he's both right and so wrong all at the same time. And that same Peter, isn't it cool to see how much his life, how much he's learned? Like he's giving us this example that's like, no, he really did die. And he did. Anyway, it's just so cool. Um, Okay. So because he was wounded, even though that was so hard for Peter to hear in that moment, he has actually seen that his wounds bring us about healing. So where can we heal? Where can we be agents of healing in our world? And so I, in these two spheres, um, I'm going to start with myself. Okay, so I'm going to give you, this is show and tell. This is a picture of, this is a picture. Can you all see it? Can you see this picture? It's a picture of a family. They're standing in front of Air Force One with the 41st president of the United States. And that little girl on her mom's hip is me. So that's me. I'm five years old. My hand is like knuckle deep in my nose, and it's very embarrassing. (laughs) The reason I show you this is because I think it's helpful to know um, about me that I, the reason I have this picture is because my dad um, has lived a cool life, and he got to be George H.W. Bush's chief speechwriter in the failed 92 campaign against Clinton. Yeah, and so this picture was one of the times when they would be on the trail and they would come near us and we would go see Dad because he, like, didn't live with us for a whole year. Um, (laughs) All to show you that 
I've been like very much raised by people who love politics, who worked in politics. He doesn't anymore, but um, we were right. We were taught to learn about politics and watched State of the Unions and debates and, you know, like we did it all. And it's been a huge part of our lives. Okay. I, I love politics. I love talking about it. So does everyone in our family. And we have this family group text now, okay? And I was thinking about this because I was preparing because it's primary season and my dad was in New Hampshire and he was going to rallies and campaigns and he's just a junkie. Like, he just loves it. He lives for it. And he was texting and quickly the conversation becomes very contentious. <laughs> um, there's a lot of factors involved in that. Like two son-in-laws now have joined our family and three grown daughters who were taught to think for themselves and who do and who maybe think differently than their parents now. Um, but also I think what's happening in my little, sorry, so my mom inserts in, remember, this is not supposed to be a political thread. Like we're keeping politics off of the family text. Please, only pictures of my grandchildren. <laughs> and, and invitations to dinner, right? And I was thinking... How sad, like I understand, my mom's, my mom's like call and her request is a reasonable one because we are unable to talk about politics without being super contentious. And like my family looks just like the world <laughs> in that way, right? That's like we're no different than, listen, we're no different than Twitter. I mean, we are, we know each other, we're not quite as mean, right? But, but we aren't in a lot of ways that like we can't do this well. So anyway, that was kind of like, okay, I'm going to think about that is how, as Christians, can we heal in this process? Can we heal the, like, it's not just politics, right? It's also, I'm going to talk about how it's also present in, like, the work world. But how can we heal, be agents of healing in our world when it comes to this contempt that is just plaguing our society, this hatred, this outrage? And I guess challenge ourselves to ask, like I, I had to this week, is, like, am I any different? Am I, like, the good Christian example on my family group text? The answer is no, I am not. Um, to be honest, I am not. Okay, so that's kind of like, I'm going to weave that theme throughout, just so you all know. Okay, so remember you are aliens. So I'm going to start, the reason why I picked, I know it wasn't in our text today, but I'm going to disagree very humbly with the editors of the ESV and Jen Wilkin and argue that 11 and 12 are actually like the thesis of my text. Um, so even though we she cut them up differently, I think we need to read them today. Okay, so he says, remember you are aliens, return... Um, remember you're aliens, okay? So it's really important that we remember that this place is not our home. I'm not going to dwell on this because we've talked about it a bunch recently, but um, it's important to think clearly about who we really are in order to live well, right? Like unless we're sure about who we are, we can't live well. And so he really, I mean, he's told us like a dozen times at this point, we, this is not our home. And it's true. And it's a beautiful truth. This is not our home. Like the sin and sickness and disease and hatred that I was just talking about and contempt and vitriol, all this stuff, like this is not our forever place. Praise God. Um, so why do we try, get so frustrated with that? You know, like, and surprised by that constantly. And I'm talking to myself here, too. Like, why are we, why are we surprised when the world doesn't want to look like us? Or when we're told we're different than the world? Or are we ever? And if not, well, maybe we're not living like sojourners and exiles and aliens, right? Um, we're supposed to be a peculiar people. We're supposed to be weird. Um, <laughs> that's not really how we want to be, right? We don't want to be weirdos, but we are. We're weirdos. Like, in, we're going to talk a little bit about it, but, like, today's age, part of what Peter's writing about is, like, the Christians were known as, like, cannibals and incestuous because they 
ate flesh. They talked about eating flesh and drinking blood, and they called everyone brother and sister and father and mother. And that is weird. Like it becomes so normal to us, but it was so weird. And you understand how the rumors got started because that was the language that they used. Um, we're supposed to be weird. Um, Keller, Tim Keller says, Christians should be culturally similar but spiritually distinct. This is our temporary home, and that should be freeing. Freedom is a big theme here, okay? So we don't, we don't have to end up here, and that's really cool. Um, so because we don't belong here and this isn't our home, we need to abstain from the sinful desires that mark this place and fight sin, which is immediately where he turns, right, in, the, in verse 11. He says, so abstain from these sins that wage war against your soul. Is that what he says? Something like that. Um, okay, so point two. <laughs> abstain. Um, Eugene Peterson in the message, it's not a Bible translation. It's like his summary of scripture. It can be really helpful. I would encourage y'all like download it on your little app, read it sometimes. His version of this text, he says, don't make yourself so cozy that you indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. It's like, we can't be too comfortable here, right? And we have to remember that before we go in. Um, <clears throat> Okay, so they were living in a corrupted culture. We're living in a corrupted culture, which means we're constantly going to have to fight sin. Um, so moving on, fighting sin. Um, because we're the peculiar ones, the holy ones, the literally set-apart ones, um, we should expect to live lives that fight sin. Um, okay, so one of the world are sins of the flesh, right? And this is where... I'm going to kind of get back into this contempt. When we think of sins in the flesh, I think we tend to think of, we're pretty good at thinking about, like, sex, um, drunkenness, which, which are. So, like, Galatians 5 is a very comprehensive example of Paul using this, same language as Peter. And he says, uh, like, orgies, debauchery, immorality. But he also, the much more majority of the list is made up of sins of the mind and the will and the emotions, including idolatry and hatred and discord and dissension and jealousy and rage and selfish ambition. And so as we come to think about our work and our civic duty, the question is, are we fighting those sins of the flesh as we engage in these ways? Um, And do we even see them as sins of the flesh? Um, So I think we're good at fighting sin in this like civic way in our culture. Um, Our little... (laughs) We can use, like, thinking about politics, right, just like civic duty. We are real, I think Christians are really good at using our power as citizens to stand up for the voiceless. So like, to fight against some of those sins, but vi- physical violence, um, defending the unborn, defending the sexually exploited. We're really good at the what. What I want to focus on is the how. Do we fight for those good things and against these sins while also fighting against the sins of the mind and the will and... Um, Mind and will and what were the other two? Whatever, mind and will. Emotion, emotion. So, like, do we look just like the world in our attempts to get these good things done? Do we villainize our enemies? Do we speak about people as if they are not image bearers of God? Do we, you know, are we just as outraged and addicted to outrage as everyone else is? And I think the answer is yes and no to different extents. All this, you know, it's between you and God. It's certainly yes for me. I'll tell you that much. Um, or sorry, no for me. No, I don't look any different than the rest of the world. I'm addicted to outrage is what I'm trying to say. I am very tempted to be very unkind about people who disagree with me. Um, 
And I'm in that way, I'm living as a slave to these sins, right? These sins of the flesh. Um, I'm not living as someone who has been healed by the wounds of Christ in that way and who can bring healing to others in that way. And so I want to think about that. Um, Like, can we be remarkably gracious, inviting, and endearing toward others, even in the face of all of this contention in our civic life that's going on right now? And how might we actually be really healing in that regard? Um, Okay, so like kind of in this vein, um, the next step after fighting sin is we... um, Let me just point this out. Okay. Peter is calling us to fight sin for the sake of our own souls. Like, my hatred is eating me alive. But it's also making our world worse. Both. Okay? Like, it's not a one or the other. Um, When I allow myself to, like, not see the dignity of an image bearer, like, I am enslaving myself to sin once again and pretending, like, by Jesus' wounds I haven't been healed. And I'm also wounding people. Which is kind of where Peter says, like, we're free, but not free to abuse others with our freedom or, like, cover up evil, right? Um, like, I'm not free to be a jerk. <laughs> but I act that way sometimes, right? Okay. And in that way, we're, we need to submit to authority. Um, I want to say here really loudly. I wanted to write it on your sheet, but I forgot. Um, God doesn't call anyone to blindly submit to an authority ever. You are never called to, like, follow someone into sin ever. You're not allowed to do that, actually, which is how, like, all the apostles ended up dead, right? Um, It's really hard that Peter's the one writing this because he's, like, literally, they think, probably in jail. And if not yet, he will be soon, and then he's martyred, right? Because it was forsake Christ or die, and he chose death. Hopefully, it never comes to that for us. But um, there can be authorities in your life in terms of your work and in the world, our civic society, that, that might ask you to sin, in which case... We have to, um, I want to say this well, so we have to obey when we can, and if you must disobey, do so humbly, respectfully, bearing the consequences. Okay, and we're going to keep digging into that as we talk about suffering. Um, Yes, obey where you can, and where you can't, if you must disobey, you do so humbly, respectfully, and bearing the consequences. So what does it mean to submit, then, if it doesn't mean you just blindly follow someone? Um, I think our society typically thinks about submission all wrong, so we talk about it like, I'm either um, giving up my rights and in bondaging myself to, you know, doing what you say, or I'm doing whatever I want and living in freedom. But actually... um, that's wrong. Like, it requires freedom to submit to these authorities. And it's actually, Peter is appealing to our freedom in Christ as our, like, motivation to submit. Um, oh my gosh, I'm all over the place. See, no manuscript. Um, okay, so <laughs> um, the world Peter is speaking to, what is submission? The world Peter is speaking to is very different than the one we live in. Like, it was pretty much like obey or die. Uh, or get thrown in jail and we live in a democracy right so we actually have a voice in our government and so like submission to authority looks a little different because we're given the chance to vote for who we want to vote for and then lobby for change and advocate and right um what we're allowed to speak out loud yeah to speak 
appropriate. Praise God for that. I think God celebrates that. But it can make this idea of submission um, a little more complicated. So I think at a bare minimum, submission means like just obey the laws. We're, Christians are not called to be lawbreakers, again, unless it's causing you to leading you into sin. Um, in work, um, same thing. Like do what your job requires of you unless it's causing you to sin. Be faithful in your work. Um, and by obeying laws and by doing our work well, we are actually bringing glory to God. You can trust that. You're glorifying him in, in your obedience. Um, and Peter says, and an added benefit of that is actually that like non-Christians who want to say they're bad for our society, they're bad people, they are doing, you know, they're incestuous and cannibals and all the ac- wild accusations, well, they'll be found wrong if they ever like, you know, genuinely follow up on that because, you know, we're good. We're, we're good law-abiding citizens. That's what we're called to be. Um, okay. In a, another sense, um, submission also means that we need to honor our rulers and leaders. Um, oh, I want to, oh, there's just so much more I want to say. Um, Okay, I want, well, actually, I want to say this. So we're called to submit. So we're called to submit to our leaders, and we're called to honor them. We're going to talk about honoring in a second. But submit. Let me let me backtrack a little bit. And when we're talking about submitting, um, we don't submit to leaders because they have anything in and of themselves worthy of submitting to. Some might. Some very much might not. So, like the world Peter's writing into, Nero was the um, emperor and he was just, I mean, the worst, like uh, pretty much like as bad as, as they could be. So if he's writing honor the emperor, it's not because that guy earned anything worth honoring. And that's important to keep in mind. In fact, he says, honor them as unto the Lord, right? You honor them because God has ordained for them to be here. Um, you submit to them because God institutes government. And he says, right, to restrain evil and to praise good. And, and in that way, we should talk about government like it's a good thing. And that's why we obey laws because they put order in our society, and they keep us safe, and we like that stuff. Um, Same things with our work, Um, right? So our bosses, they might not all be great, and we're going to talk a little bit more about working for unjust bosses at the end. But um, anyway, I just want to say, when we do this, when we submit to these people as unto the Lord, God is glorified. And he's actually using it to redeem this world. Okay, so honor our rulers and leaders. We need to uh, lead the way in respecting our elected officials and and our bosses. So I think in both worlds, it's very hot, cool to um, criticize people. Criticism is very cool. Like, again, we don't, we're not, we feel no burden to um, watch our tongues. I'm saying that as like the society. Hopefully as Christians we feel more burden or I'm inviting you to, I'm inviting myself to feel more burden. Peter is inviting us. Um, Honoring means speaking honestly, respectfully, kindly about these people. Not agreeing with them. No, submitting does not mean agreeing. Um, It just means obeying the law and respecting with your words. So as Christians, you know, questions we can ask ourselves is like, do we, are we adding to disinformation that plagues our society today? And are we sure about things that we're saying about elected officials? Are they actually true? And are we talking about them like they are a God, someone created by God and, you know, bearing his image and therefore having inherent dignity? Um, 
these are questions. The same is true for our boss who might, you know, go home earlier than we get to or, you know, get paid more and work fewer hours and assign us the remedial tasks or degrade us and mistreat us. And, and the question is, do we speak about them in an honoring way? Um, okay. So now we're going to – I'm trying to rush. Um, okay. So, yeah, as Christians, we should be different. We don't need to participate in gossip. We don't need to grumble or complain. We need to be respectful. Um, the biggest sign when we this is this is what I'm saying like we do this because we are free. So like in our civic world like we can engage in politics, we can be thoughtful, we can fight for the things we believe in and stand up for the voiceless and all of those things. Do it in an honoring way. Um, and it's actually because of our freedom that we like can do all of that. Because we know that ultimately it's not going to be politics that saves this world, right? That, that God uses government for good, to restrain evil and to promote good. And we are all about that and using those ends to get, or using those means to get to really good ends. But, but that's not going to be what, what redeems this place, right? It just kind of constrains evil for now. So because of that, we can let go. And we can disagree well with people and actually bring healing into our society that way. The same with your work. That's like, God, you know, we got to work. We got to have money to live. That's an unfortunate reality of um, life <laughs> sometimes. Um, and sometimes our work is totally awesome. And it's all, all work is always a way to glorify God. The smallest task to the biggest, no matter what sphere you're doing. And Sometimes it's you're on fire and, you know, like it's really cool today to talk about like callings and vocational callings. And sometimes like you're just bagging groceries because it's what's going to pay the bills or you're changing diapers because there are so many children in your house that you keep having them. Um, (laughs) Anyway, we're going to talk about a little bit. But um, (laughs) but so but either way, your work is not going to be what saves redeems this world either and so we can let go of it and not grip it so tightly and in that way live beautiful exemplary lives of what that attracts the outside world and that they want to say i'm so glad these christians are here they're making this a better place i'm so glad you're my neighbor engaging with you about this conversation is so much fun i'm so glad you're my employee even when i mistreat you you honor me and respect me and you and you do your work faithfully that is what Peter is getting at. So I'm going to end with this. Um, we're going to talk about unjust suffering because that's where he ends. Again, another caveat as we turn to slavery here. Slavery is evil and God hates it. Owning people is wrong in God's economy. It just is. Did he come and have this like political coup and up, you know, change everything around? No, he didn't. But literally the story again and again and again that's used as like the typography of who God is and how he saves is the Exodus where he brings his people out of slavery and he punishes those who did evil against them. We have to keep that ever before us. Um, and for Paul's letter to Philemon is, is a beautiful example of this. Um, he sends Philemon, who was a slave, back to Onesimus, his Christian owner, as a brother. And it's easy to miss if you just read it, but he's... He is very passive-aggressively being like, hey, in Christ, we don't own people. just want to say that. I just want to say that. Just so you, again, with my authority, that is none, but that's what I think. Um, okay, so we're going we're gonna to get here. He's talking about slavery, slaves submitting to their masters, and we can think about our work and our civic duty here again. And he's calling them to suffer unjustly because it counts with God, where he says um, it matters with God. Peter is saying that when you find yourself in circumstances where you are suffering unjustly, God sees it and he counts it as grace and you suffer with Christ. Okay? 
Um, so in 1 Corinthians 7, 21, Paul is esteeming the work of slaves and commending them when they suffer, kind of like Peter is here too. And then he adds, but if you can gain your freedom, you should take it. Which is, again, another reason why I don't think God is like a fan of slavery. Um, and, and I want to say that to us today because this is where we're going to end. I'm getting done. I know I'm over time. Okay. We're called to submit to authority and to suffer unjustly when it's inescapable, which today in our world is like not that often. Praise God, right? Um, if you can gain your freedom, take it. Where you can gain your freedom, you should. And, and I want to say that as like a, we shouldn't be adding unnecessary yokes onto the backs of our brothers and sisters because um, God doesn't do that to us. Um, so it applies to citizens and our work. I think we've talked about a little bit of citizens, right? Like we can see that in our democracy. Like we have unjust laws and we have the freedom to vote for people who will change them. And we have the ability to do that and praise God for that. And that's a good thing. And that doesn't mean that we're not submitting to authority is what I'm trying to say. Okay. And in our work, we can find other employment often, but sometimes you can't and you have to pay the bills, right? Sometimes you can realize Assuming that your unjust master isn't inviting you to sin or requiring you to sin, you have to stay in a job where someone is metaphorically beating you, right? Demeaning you, degrading you, mistreating you, abusing your time, um, not paying you enough. And maybe you're looking for another job, but for now you're here. And this is the, what you've been given to do. Um, I think work inside of the home can be inescapable often. Um, so for those of us like me who don't work for a paycheck outside the home, um, but maybe you... <coughs> have um and you have an um sorry i want to say this well you have an unjust master who is an ungrateful and illogical toddler um or a child with special i'm being serious a child with special needs who requires so much patience while hurling verbal insults and and they can't control themselves or just a grumpy teenager um maybe god is calling you right now to care for an elderly parent who is filled with anger about their life coming to an end, um, or someone who is just decaying before your eyes in the most unnatural way. Like, I, I want to be creative with how we think about unjust masters here. Um, sometimes you can't escape those things. And so Peter is saying to you today, and this is where we're going to end, that God sees your suffering, okay? He meets you there. He promises that you will see his face. Um, he hates injustice. He is coming back to fix it. But he show, Peter is showing us that when we sh- suffer unjustly, we are identifying with Christ. He is our pattern. Remember that tracing idea. He isn't doing. We aren't. He isn't calling us to do anything he hasn't done on our behalf and as our example. So we don't meet hate with hate. We don't meet reviling with reviling. I don't need to meet my to- angry toddler with anger. I need to remember that. Like I'm saying this to myself. We're permitted to find freedom where we can. But if no freedom is to be found, or at least not yet then suffer well, is what Peter is saying. Trusting that the priority of our lives is not just um, our well-being or our comfort, okay, but to be a healing force in this world. We need to be conscious of God in our suffering, knowing that he sees us and isn't asking us again to do anything he hasn't already done. And I just want to say, we're going to fail at this. We do fail at it. Um, I feel like this can be a very, I don't want to lay some burden on you. Like I'm inviting you to freedom, Live as those who are healed, um, knowing that the God of the universe sees you in this. And you can fail. That's okay. That's why Jesus came and lived and did this perfectly. You can get up tomorrow and do it better. And we can encourage each other in that way. Um, God sees you, and he is coming back to save us 
from all of this stuff. Okay, let me pray. Dear God, thank you so much um, for your beautiful text here for us, um, for these encouraging words to us. Um, I pray that you would help us to submit to the authorities in our lives well, and that we would live beautiful and fragrant lives that are pleasing and attractive to those around us, and that because of that, they would be, you would be glorified, if not today in the lives of unbelievers, on the last day, as you say here in this text. Um, It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.